The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson with you. Ajay Salveson as well. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Friday. You made it through another week. The weekend is here, though, for a lot of people. Um, it's so convoluted and weird. Friday doesn't seem to be that different than any other day. Where <laughs> We're looking ahead to the weekend. is really all that different from any other day of the week where there's a lot of extra time down and uh, not as much stress sometimes at work um, or you're working from home. It just seems different. So nonetheless, it's still a Friday, and I know for some people it still means a big deal. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for joining us and uh, letting us entertain and inform for a little while to uh, get your mind off of other things that may be going on. So appreciate you tuning in, whether it's on 1390 AM, 106.9 FM, um, or streaming online at 1069thefan.com. We appreciate you. However, you may be tuning in and joining us. And even if you're listening to this on one of our podcasts at a later time, doing some time shifting, because uh, we all know regular habits are thrown out the window. And so you may not be doing your regular afternoon commute and uh, listening um, while you're out on your walk is different than when you would anyway. So either way. We appreciate you tuning in and joining us. And a big show today, Ajay, you and I had a great opportunity to talk to Sam Merrill earlier, and this is a great interview. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, and he, you know, he kind of divulges on, you know, what it was like this, this past season, what it was like playing, being recruited by one coach, playing for another coach, and then playing for a third and final coach. And really, and how his game progressed through, through that time, uh, what the future is like, and he's about as much as limbo as we are, to be honest with you. Uh, and then he also talks about, uh, you know, the the J.C. Carroll Sam. He, you know, kind of touches on that. Doesn't really go and delve in too deep, but uh, yeah, it's a really great conversation. One of the best to ever do it, and um, yeah, it's fun. So anyway, that's coming up this hour. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. Uh, there's some other news. Well. In light of Sam Merrill, the Athletic put together their top 100 yes. potential draft athletes, uh, players that, and they ranked them one to 100 players that think or could be drafted, or where they rank among the potential players headed to the NBA this next season. Some are international players, some are college, so some of them we don't really know. Fact, yeah, I've never heard true. of some of these guys. I, <laughs> I don't really follow list, international like, basketball. Who the, who the crap that guy is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's a real team? But uh, Sam Merrill is on that list. A couple other Mountain West players are on that list. Miyash Keta is on that list. Might want to hold the phone on that one, too. But uh, interesting to hear what Sam has to say about Nimi. Yeah, you might want to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh what uh, what time do you want to play, or what time are we playing that interview? By the way, do we know yet? No. Great. What time do you want to play it? Uh, well, I mean that's the question. Uh, that's since a... you and I don't really talk before we come <laughs> on the show. I know to do right? show prep anymore. I know. I know. We, I, I do my prep from home, and I show up. Hey, Eric. Hey, AJ. All right, you ready for the show? Yeah, let's go. Uh, no. Uh, we can let's play that. Uh, what is it? Yeah, you know, what? let's play around the four twenty mark, right? Let's kind of let's ease ourselves into this, uh, Sam. Sam Merrill, uh, and I'll say it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, greatest ever. 
Uh, but I, I just saw another highlight clip of him. Eric, it just tears my heart to pieces that he's going. Like, I wasn't ready for this. I think maybe if I would have seen him in the NCAA tournament, then I would have been okay. But for some reason, ending it on a Mountain West Conference Championship game-winning shot over the number 5th ranked team in the country just didn't settle in right. That's not a good closure for me. I don't know why. But I, I, I have to see him go to the NCAA tournament, even if that means him losing in the first or second round. I'm going to say second round. I still want to see him do it. And, and for him not to be able to have that opportunity just bugs the crap out of me. Still just eats me to life. But at least his final game in an yeah, Aggie uniform exactly. is an epic final game. Yeah, the three, all those three games, dude. That kid wasn't going down. Like, and I, I, remember, I remember what he said at the press conference or something, the post-game presser after the uh, San Diego State game. He said, I didn't want to go to the NIT. I did not want to be in the NIT. And he says, no disrespect to the NIT, but I don't want to go. I want to be in the NCAA tournament. And uh, that's when he kind of locked in and uh, went on this little bit of a run, which cultivated in a straightaway three for the uh, Mount West Conference Championship. Do you know what's awesome about it is when I when I watch that shot, how, I don't know how he hits that because Fegan, honestly, and Fegan probably does foul him, yes, but he fouls him after the shot. But the fact that Fegan plays straight up, really, you could not have played better defense if you're Fegan. None. Right, and Sam admits he, he took away his first option. Yeah. So he, I mean, so he then you forced you're, Sam into taking a, a shot that he wasn't primarily thinking of taking. So when he says he took away his first option, that was his only option. Everything else is just ad libbing, right? Two dribbles to the left, step back three because that creates some space. It's kind of your go to. I have nothing else left. Because originally he wanted to go to the right. Yep, exactly. And so you go to the left, step back, let it fly. That is your just, I'm, I don't know what you go, that's it. I'm stuck. I'm going to let it fly. Hope it goes in shot. Well, it's Sam freaking Merrill, so it goes in. I mean, it's just <laughs> incredible. But, but honestly, you, you watch that shot in slow motion, and you think, how in the world did you hit that? I just, I mean, it just, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and then another thing, and one of the great questions you ask him, and I'm not going to spoil the answer, but um, what the team's going to look like next year and his confidence in the team next year because of one guy that's going to be coming back. Uh, and he'll mention that one guy that's coming back, and because of that one guy, they're going to stay on top. And it's not the guy you're thinking about right now, so just calm down. But. Yeah, interesting to hear his answer on yes. that. Because some guys who are practicing with him but aren't on the court, mm-hmm. others who are on the court that he believes will be back. So interesting to hear what he has to say about that. Uh, before we advance too much further, yeah. uh, there is some news today. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN reporting Utah Jazz are the first among NBA teams to start having layoffs um, and uh, cutbacks and reductions in salary as well. Um, it's the, this is the, the the well. The story says that the Jazz are one of approximately 80 companies within the Larry H. Miller Group, which confirmed the layoffs as a small percentage of their workforce. Um, and um, you know, the, they say the the statement reads due to the impact on our customer facing. Businesses and from this unprecedented pandemic, uh, the Miller Group unfortunately had to make difficult decisions to reduce a small percentage of our workforce over the past several weeks. We have worked to manage and reduce costs, including executive compensation, and have reached a point where we have had to say farewell to a limited number of our valued employees. We have connected with our associates with outplacement services and aligned them with employers 
who have immediate hiring needs, we remain focused on helping our communities stay healthy. Quillo's quote. I've got some questions about that. Um, the money that's been donated by Rudy Gobert, the amount of money that the LHM Corporation has, and they couldn't keep some of these employees. I actually know, personally, I know a few of the employees that got laid off, and I'm I'm absolutely heartbroken for them. One of them is actually the Utah Jazz radio uh, executive producer, who so all the behind the scenes stuff of the of, of the action coming through the air, uh, the highlights, the clips, all that is because of this guy, Adrian Lizer, who is when I first started into I guess in in Salt Lake radio business. Um, he was the first one to welcome me in and kind of teach me the ropes and show me things I didn't know, never heard of, never learned. And uh, when he got when I was informed that he was laid off, I was I was heartbroken. How do you not? How are you unable to compensate him? Like this, like there's there's something that's just not making sense to me. That with as much money as they have, they can't take care of some of these employees. One of them, and you probably heard his voice on the air before, uh, is Tony Parks. Who is the uh, who's the locker room guy for the Utah Jazz? Well, we've interviewed him, on and here we've had him on our show. As a, as a, a AP he's an AP voter. voter, yeah, for football, and he's been laid off. Like, how can you not compensate for some of these guys? What's going on, really? I got. I mean, I'm gonna call him out, but it just it, it maybe as believe me, from somebody who's been involved in a lot of research and meetings over the last several weeks of trying to salvage payroll for people. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. These are difficult times. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of people who have lost their jobs. Um, I, I, I get it. These, This is a the ownership for NBA teams. These are very wealthy organizations, but they also have a lot of serious expenses. And that's another news item today is that the NBA – Ownership is like, God, we're on the hook for these millions and millions of dollars of compensation <clears throat> to the players, but we're not selling concessions. We're not selling tickets. We can only do this for so long. And so they're asking for a, 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 a reduction in what they pay to the athletes. The NBA wanted to just do 50%. And the NBA Players Association saying, oh, come on now. This is, let's just do 25% and defer so, this a little bit longer. Is this an egotistical, egocentric conversation for them to be having? Because we're talking about millions, Eric. We're talking about, hey, I want $34 million instead of the $15 million. Million. We're not saying thousands or hundreds or $15. We're saying $15 million. You or I would go streak across Cash Valley but naked for $15 million <laughs> and be okay with life. Like, I mean, we would. I mean, it's just, how are we, it's so egocentric, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Am I just looking at it the, uh, sideways? Uh, I think there is a lot of ego. Um, I, I, there have been a number of NBA athletes who have been tremendous saying, look, I'm donating this money to help the employees of these arenas so they don't have to be laid off. And... <clears throat> That was that was tremendous, but I don't think any of us, when this first started going down on March 11th, thought that it would potentially stretch on as long as it yeah. has been. Yeah, um, and so I think that's a that's a serious concern. Now Philadelphia 76ers, 
they announced that they were going to reduce salaries for any employees making over $50,000 a year last month. But then they reversed course on that because they were getting a lot of criticisms about it. And so they're like, no, okay, we'll keep paying everybody. But Utah Jazz, they're not. They're they're laying people off, and they're doing some executive, uh, uh, and, and, you know, salary reductions as well. So I, I feel bad. I mean, Utah Jazz, it's a smaller market. Um, yes, it, it does take a lot of money to run these operations. It takes even more money to own these operations. But there's no cash flow coming in right now, and there hasn't for almost a solid month. It's hard to play or to pay multi-million dollar athletes and you've got a roster full of them and then you got executives that earn seven figures some of them so uh, and coaching staffs it that's a lot of money when it's completely stopped and been cut off it's only so long you can go if, if even if you are a wealthy owner um, but at the same time we are talking millions of dollars here the average person, is especially those who have been laid off, they're worried about their next meal, not about how this is affecting their 401k yep. and their you know, investments in the Bahamas. So this is uh, there's not a whole lot of compassion, but I, I think that some people need to consider you know, really what this means and how this affects everybody at, at all levels. Yeah, and that's and that's what everyone's got to remember is it. <laughs> doesn't just affect the owner who has to give the money or whatever the situation is, but it affects the people too. They, as they call them, the little people, you know, from big organizations. That's what it is. Now, luckily here, um, and but you know, if you have one executive or an NBA player take a ten percent pay cut or reduction for a month, oh man, you're going to save a lot of the the little people. You're going to save their jobs yeah. for several months. That's absolutely true. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's. Like I feel bad for I mean you like I feel bad for people like you who have had to sit through meetings and of course Mr. Franson because you guys have to make the tough decisions. Those are not easy decisions and those are not easy meetings for you guys to have right now. And and, and I feel bad for you. But this is a small business and again I just, I just look at the LHM as a corporation that is worth a lot of money and to have to lay off as many people as they're going to and some of the more essential people like. An executive producer for the Utah Jazz radio broadcast is was was just crazy to me, and I think I need to maybe sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and kind of look at it at a bigger perspective. But um, my heart goes out to those employees; they really do. And like I said, I know a few of them personally, and and they're really, really good human beings, really good human beings. And uh, I I feel bad for them today. Yeah. So news today: Utah Jazz really the first NBA organization to begin laying off employees. And enacting reductions in salaries. If they're the only one, does your mindset change? Yeah. Uh, then I think that's why is it that the Utah Jazz are the only team that was affected that yeah. had to do this? How yeah. is it that every other NBA franchise was able to figure something out to keep keep their people employed? I, I can't believe that the Utah Jazz are the only NBA franchise that is not situated in a way that could could handle it. Yeah. That's yeah, and I think that's where I stand too. Like if this happens around the NBA, it's just part of the process. Unfortunately, it's just part of the process of COVID-19. 
if it only happens with the Utah Jazz. I might have a complaint, but there's a lot of laid-off employees for the Jazz who are going to be wondering what in the world happened. How does that happen to us? And every other franchise is is able to get through it one way or another. Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking before. This the coronavirus is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter no. your race. It doesn't matter if you're, your your sex. It old, doesn't matter young, old, young, male, female. It's it's taken it's taken a lot of people, and it's unfortunately there's been a lot of deaths, and and unfortunately there's there's sick people even just around us, Eric, and that's a scary part too. Well, the other thing it's doing is, granted, I understand it's affecting some businesses in ways that it's not affecting others, but it does kind of expose whether a business, how healthy it was before this, how smart they were uh, before this. I mean, I'm not saying that if you're having problems that you're not smart, but I mean financially sound, um, and it's, 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 it's sad. It's really unfortunate. Um, but you know what? I, this Still months. Still going to be in this for months. You think uh, so? I think so. And the, the the governor of Utah has said the next two weeks are critical. Uh, state epidemiologist says the next two weeks are critical. Social distancing. We still got to take that very, very seriously. Yeah. Did you see the video on KUTV News uh, uh, on no. Twitter? There's like a group of people, like 13, 14 people playing volleyball outside in Orem. So obviously we're not taking it seriously enough. Like, look, I know I know that the next two weeks are critical, but we have just not. I mean, I think Cash Valley's done good. I really do. I think the restaurants have done their best. I think areas are, are doing their best and uh, to stay home and stay away. And you know, even when I you know I I, I see somebody you know they they stand at like. They stand at a light pole, and I stand at my car on the other side of the street, and we scream at each other. It seems like well, and a lot of businesses that are open that allow people to come in. They've got things that they're putting on the floor, like hey, social distancing. Wait for the next person to advance before you come over here. Keep your separation. And there's also a lot of businesses that are being innovative, like call ahead for appointments. We'll come to you to pick things up, uh, whether it's servicing your car or changing your tires or whatever. So I really applaud all those businesses that are trying to make it make it work, and we've got a lot of those put together on CashValleyDaily.com. So uh, and we're getting more information all the time. So keep checking back on that. But yeah, uh, uh, but I feel bad. Yeah, and I just again we cannot urge you enough. I, as the governor said, these next two weeks are critical, and we need to treat it as such. Take it because seriously. If please. we don't, we're you, you're right. We are going to be in this situation for months. We're not going to have anything to be able to do, and we're going to be stuck inside of our homes because you people can't stay inside your homes for the first place. Yeah, we don't want to be New York. Yeah, let's let's. Yeah, that's actually a great point. Let's let's be smart about it. Hey, let's let's get on to some good stuff here. Yeah, let's we're going to take a time out here on the full court press. When we come back, a great conversation with one of the greats of in Utah State history, Sam Merrill. In fact, we're going to ask him about where he thinks he stands in a roundabout way on that list among the greatest ever and how he might do in a one-on-one battle with one of those other greats. So uh, an interview with Sam Merrill coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Joining us here on the Full Court Press, I have continually thrown out that he is the greatest player in Aggie men's basketball history. Whether you like it or not, that is my take, and I'm going to die in a grave with it. And, and there's for good reasons why. And it's our honor, it's our privilege to have with us uh, here on the Full Court Press. It's Sam Merrill, former guard here at Utah State. Sam, thanks for joining us. How you guys doing? Uh, we're all right. We're all Social right. Social isolation, you know, a lot of boredom, a lot of Netflix. It's been the last few days. <laughs> Hey, what do you do? Like, I mean, how do you isolate? I mean, have you found a favorite TV show with your wife? I mean, what do you do to try to pass through time? Well, just trying to work out as much as I can um, with the limited resources available. But uh, we've been living down at my parents just because I have better access down there. And um, my sister and brother-in-law are there a little bit, too. And they have a little kid. So a lot of the time it's just trying to uh, control their son, who's, I think, two right now. So he's a lot of fun and uh, a lot of work for all of us. <laughs> Sam, with the, the the current situation right now, uh, normally right now you'd be working in a gym. You'd probably be working with, I don't know, an agent, maybe off-site somewhere. They're running you through different drills and preparing you for a combine or uh, individual workouts with NBA teams. What kind of contact have you had? Do you have an agent? I guess is the first question. And the second part of it is, uh, what's the process in preparing for an opportunity to work out with NBA teams? Yeah, it's been it's been different for sure. Um, I, I have signed with an agent. I signed last week. And the plan, they have a really good pre-draft routine. Um, so the plan was for me to go out to Chicago and spend about a month and a half there. Um, but that's not happening right now. So at some point, hopefully when this all cools down a little bit, I'll head out to Chicago. But as of right now, they've just given me some stuff that they'd like me to work on. And I'm, I'm trying to do that as best I can. How do you choose an agent? How does that process go about? It's similar to a college, a college recruitment. And my college recruitment obviously wasn't, wasn't super in depth because I was, um, I was leaning towards Utah state as everyone knows early on, but, uh, I, got in contact with probably six or seven and and talked with all of them but for me it's for me the biggest thing was connections um if i didn't have any connections to the agency it's just hard to it's hard to know exactly what you're going to get from them so the agency that i did sign with um i had multiple connections with and was able to talk to multiple people that i know and trust and, and they gave me great insight and great advice and uh that's that's what ultimately led to me making that decision. The agent that you've signed with, the group that you've signed with, what are some of the things that they're telling you or the feedback they're giving you about, A, preparing yourself to meet with NBA teams, and then B, how much interest is there right now from NBA teams in Sam Merrill? Well, again, there's it's been hard because I think a lot of teams right now are just trying to figure out what's next. Um, but I do know that there is interest. Um I know that there's an opportunity. Maybe that's sometime in the second round. Maybe it's undrafted. I'm not, I don't know. Um, but I believe that if if I can improve my body, which is I think the number one thing for me, get into great, great shape, um, and then improve minor things like my ball handling, and then obviously as much athletically on the margins as I can, that, that when, when and if there are workouts that I'll be able to to impress some people and uh, hopefully get an opportunity. But like I said, I know there is interest and I know that I'll have a chance. Maybe I'm overly biased, but I thought you were one of the best defensive players in the conference during your span here, yet you never made an all-defensive team. 
Does that bug you at all? <laughs> yeah, it actually does bug me a little bit. It's not, I'm not losing sleep over it, but uh, <laughs> I always felt like my defense was was a little underrated, and um, I, don't, I don't know why that is, but I think I think you know when it comes to defense, a lot of a lot of people look at just athleticism, but the two most important things, and I'm not the only person that says this, coaches will say this, but two most important things when it comes to defense are knowing what you're doing, so like always being in the right spots, um, having a high IQ, and having pride and being tough about it. And I think I have those two things. And uh, as far as the next level goes, I, I know that that's something that teams have looked at and said, you know, he's actually a better defender than we thought. So, um, like I said, hopefully with going forward with workouts and stuff, I can prove that I can defend at the NBA level. We've had several different discussions on this program, and I know others have as well, about where Sam Merrill ranks among the Aggie greats. And as we've looked at different players, and they've all had their different moments for different reasons, I think Ajay and I have agreed that one of the things that sets you apart from some of the others that are high on the list is that you are a two-way player. You do have that defense besides just your scoring ability. I mean, J.C. Carroll could fill up a, a lot of points in a lot of different ways, but he his biggest weakness was his defensive ability. And that's one of the things that we've noticed that really stands apart for what you did in an Aggie uniform. Yeah, no, I, you know, you get into these conversations and everyone talks about the, the MJ and LeBron debate, and I just think it's funny because I bet 70% of the people that are weighing in on those those types of debates haven't have never watched MJ play or have seen only highlights of him or have, have not watched full games. And I think it's similar with, with all this type of stuff. Like I had the opportunity, um, not the opportunity, but these last couple of weeks while we've been quarantined, I've been watching old Utah state games just because I'm interested in it. And it's been a while since I've watched those. And um, that gives you a better idea of how players were. And, you know, JC is a guy that I look up to and one of those guys that's, you know, one of the best to ever play here. And um, everyone talks about Wayne Estes. Um, it's hard to have seen him play, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that I do take pride in is is being competitive on both ends of the floor. And uh, just for me, it was always about doing what whatever I can to help the team win. And um, I developed as a scorer, so I felt like that was something that I needed to do for the team. But when I first got into college, I, I felt like the way that I was going to be able to stick on the court was – was on the defensive end, so that's something that I've always took pride in. J.C. Carroll versus Sam Merrill, game to 21, going twos and threes. Who wins? Who wins right now? Yeah, sure. Or who wins when we were both in college? Uh, yeah, okay. In your, in that, that's a great point. Prime. College prime. There you go. <laughs> I have no idea. I would I, I would like to think I would win because I'm a competitive dude, but I'm sure J.C. would say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, so, and then when you, uh, are you a Jordan guy? I didn't know this. Like, do I? Like uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, I mean, were you a fan of Michael Jordan? I guess it was, I mean, because there's a LeBron-Jordan oh. debate, and, like, Tony Jones is, like, all LeBron all the time. He doesn't even know Jordan existed. Sam, what do you think? <laughs> like I said, I've watched some MJ. I haven't watched a ton of him. I think LeBron's a better basketball player, just a better all-around basketball player, but um, there are some things that bug me about LeBron that I, I know Jordan didn't have, so... As someone who's watched probably three total MJ games, I'm not sure I'm the person you want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, I want to go back to the Vegas tournament. Uh, one of the most historic three-game runs I've ever seen from an individual ever. You guys had to probably win out to go to the, at least a for sure self spot 
in the tournament. How much confidence did you have going into that tournament that you guys could go win three games in three nights? It seems like it was months ago. I know. Um, I, I know. You know, I felt, I think we, we definitely felt that urgency. Um, I, to be honest, I wasn't sure if we could if we could beat San Diego State. Obviously, we knew we could win the first two games, but San Diego State was so good, and we felt like we played really well at their place, and they still beat us by 10, and they still did a lot of things. But um, for me personally, I just really, really felt like like there was an opportunity and that um, I had that urgency, and I think we had that as a team that, you know, we got to just give it everything we got because, again, we had no idea whether we were going to make it or not if we didn't win it. Um, we knew we had to at least make the championship game, and then <clears throat> we got into the, that championship game, and it was just – we just had that mindset of, hey, let's go do this. Like, we're here. We've been here before. They had a couple guys that played in last year's game, but basically our entire team had been there before. Like – we just we were in the same locker room, like it just felt so similar and the same schedule, all that stuff. So we we did feel confident once we actually got to that championship game. Sam, what was the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team? I think it took us a while to you know we 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 had a good non conference schedule schedule obviously, but we had a good non conference record. But it didn't it didn't really feel like we clicked. Um, to the way that we had wanted to, like there were never any chemistry issues. That's not what I'm saying. But like, as far as on the court, it never really felt like we were clicking the way that we wanted to a hundred percent. So it took us a while. And I think, I think Mimi missing games was a part of that. And, and then he comes back and we, we had, we had started to get into a little bit of a rhythm and then he comes back. So we had to integrate him and it just took us a while to, to figure out everyone's individual role and, and how we were going to play and how we were going to do things in certain situations. Cause you know, every, you talk about how we brought back most of our team. Well, it's, it's such a different team with a couple new guys. And then um, Justin Bean's a much better player. Diogo's a better player. Nimi's a better player. Abel Brock, all those guys, like it's a, it's a, every year is different. So it took us a while, but um, I think at the end of the day, like we we are more talented this year than we were last year, and, and we started to finally figure that out and show that at the end of the season. Um, our style of play was similar, um, but like I said, it just took us a little bit to kind of figure out to develop that on-court chemistry. That that was There were never any issues off the court, but we had to figure that out. Hey, going back to the Mount West Conference Tournament, by the way, have you rewatched any of those games, or are you like staying away from it? I rewatch the games that we win. I, I never rewatch games if we lose and, or or if I don't play well. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've rewatched I've re- those. Oh, <laughs> uh, wh- what game? I, I mean, sitting where I was, that New Mexico game is is one of the best games I've ever seen. As I guess, as a personal performance, which one would you rather take? I, I, I guess there's San Diego State, and it's, it is a championship game. But that New Mexico game, where you just came alive in the last nine minutes of that game with four fouls, is still the most unreal thing to me. <laughs> it's funny, specifically with that New Mexico game. If you rewatch it, like I most, I think I hit one or two shots, but I mostly hit just free throws. I got to the, I got to the free throw line, and, and it was Diogo that really hit some big shots. But that New Mexico game was almost identical to last year's New Mexico game in the quarterfinals, as far as um, it's a two-seven game. Um, they have a big crowd. We have a decent crowd, but theirs is is for sure bigger. They get a lead in the second half. I I got four fouls last year too at at about the same same time. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember that really. It was either three or four, so I had to sit out 
almost the exact same time. And then we ended up coming back and winning the game. And the San Diego State game was different as a team. But for me, it was almost identical in the fact that I hit our first shot of the game in last year's game and this year's game. And then I did not score until there were about two and a half minutes left in the half in both those games. And, <laughs> wow. and then came alive a little bit. So it was interesting. But uh, that, that New Mexico game, it felt like just there was just so much urgency. That San Diego State game and the Wyoming game as well. I just literally felt like I could throw anything up and it would go in. Wow. The, your, um, this may be difficult to answer specifically, but who are you going to miss the most not being around at Utah State? Uh, that's a good question. I just think all these guys, I know that's probably not a great answer, but uh, I've been able to develop such good relationships with, with all of my teammates. And um, you look at obviously like I've been really close with Abel for a long time. So that's going to be weird not playing basketball with him um, and Diogo these last four years. But all these guys, from players to coaching staff to, to John Hartwell, like I've been able to develop such good relationships. And I know there'll be relationships that'll last forever, but it's different when you're not talking and seeing those guys every day. So it's going to be weird going forward and having to meet new people and, and develop new relationships. The other question I had for you is you've had a very interesting basketball career at Utah State. We know all the accolades. We know the awards, which are definitely worthy. But you spanned a very interesting time of Utah State basketball. Recruited by Stu, played a little bit with Stu, played with or played under uh, Tim Durier, and now I've got a couple years under Craig Smith. What's that been like with the, just the coaching aspect of your time associated with Utah State? <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. Like you said, I was recruited by Stu and that staff, so I knew the style of play that I was going to be getting into. Um, as far as all of the different types of sets and a half court game. And then I go on my mission and Stu retires and they hire coach D and uh, he, he changed it up a little bit, tried to be a little more free flowing. So that was an adjustment. Um, and I think we were, I think we were trying to adjust those first two years just because some things weren't working, some things were. So there was constantly some adjustment on how we were going to try and play. And then, and then Coach Smith comes in, and it's a whole new style. So it was certainly difficult to to uh, to adjust to those different styles and and try and try and be the best that we could be. But at the end of the day, it's just basketball, and you have to play. And uh, those those guys that were with Coach Durier and then with Coach Smith, like we we just took it upon ourselves to to get better, and and we didn't try and blame the coaching staff or anything like that. We just that summer when, when Coach Duria was let go and Coach Smith was brought in, we really, really put in a lot of work to get better individually, and, and that's part of the reason why we were so good as a team. Your averages offensively went up when Coach Smith and his staff came in. What was different about it? I think there were multiple things. I think one, like I just said, I got much better as a player. Like I was good my sophomore year, and my percentages, I think if I remember right, were really good my sophomore year. But um, I just felt like I had to get so much better, and I – I had to lose some weight, which I did, and I improved as a ball handler and improved as an athlete, and, and that's one of the reasons. But Coach Smith did a really good job of 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 just letting me of letting me play, and um, he he runs a lot of really good sets for me that 
that got me in spaces that I like to be in and that helped and having a big guy like Mimi really helped as well and um, having guys that could shoot the ball helped and uh, there's a lot that goes into it but Coach Smith allowing me to play and allowing me to be the, be the guy and uh, along with my own personal improvement, those were the biggest reasons. What was your first meeting like with Coach Smith? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was the day, I think it was the day after his press conference, my first personal meeting. He met with us as a team mm-hmm. uh, that Sunday that he got hired. But uh, I was, uh, after after we met as a team, I was pretty confident in what in who he was as a coach. But I still wasn't sure. And um, I had obviously received, I hadn't received calls, but there had been received calls received for me from other schools. So that was in the back of my mind. And I wanted to make sure that, I felt like he was the right guy before I made any decision. And I don't remember a, a whole lot about what he said. Um, I just remember leaving that meeting and, and, and knowing that, it, that Utah State was, was the right place for me and that this was the right guy and that he was going to help me take my game to the next level and, and he was going to help our team win games as well. Speaking of going to the next level now, is there an NBA team or franchise – that would be like cherry on top, dream fulfilled for Sam Merrill. <laughs> Any team would be a dream fulfilled for me. <laughs> Obviously, like if if I could pick and choose, sure. Like there are a lot of really good organizations. You got Boston, Toronto, the Spurs, Miami. Those those organizations, and and I grew up a Jazz fan, so that would be great. But at the end of the day, like I'm just working so hard that if I can find a way to have any career with any team, like um, that would be the fulfillment of a dream for me. Has there been any thought or discussion about if something in the NBA doesn't work out opportunities in Europe? Yeah, absolutely. I know that's there. And uh, I think, I think a lot of people would say that that's where I'm going to end up. I don't think that's where I'm going to end up because I think I'm going to put in the work to, to get to the, to get to the NBA, but I've heard so many great stories from a lot of guys that I trust about how much fun they had in Europe and uh, how much success they had and how it's how it's high level basketball over there if you get in the right league. So if that does end up being the case, it's something that I'll be happy to do. But it's uh, it's not on my mind right now, and it shouldn't be. I don't I think for any guy that's in in a kind of fringe situation like I am, if you're thinking about Europe, then you're probably not approaching it the right way. So I'm doing everything I can to make the NBA, but if that doesn't happen, I do know that I can have some fun over in Europe. Have you had uh, or heard of, at least your agent has heard from any interest from any NBA teams as of right now? Yeah, not specifically. Yeah, um, sure. Not specifically any teams, but uh, I know those guys are, are making calls. and uh, um, I, Like I said, I know the opportunities there, and they've let me know that, that, that they believe that I'm an NBA player and that if I make the improvements that I need to make over the summer. And I think for me, one thing that it's helpful is this coronavirus stuff allows, gives me more time to get my body right and get into great shape. So um, I think that'll be a positive for me and hopefully we can get some workouts in and I can go impress people. Sam, you were just uh, this week named as a first team all American for the senior class award. And you're with some pretty prestigious company uh, with that recognition. What does that mean to you? And what, what have you done to be recognized for that kind of an award? 
Well, it's it's definitely an honor to be a part of some some really big time names, like you said, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I dominated that vote. So shout out to Utah State fans for <laughs> for uh, for winning that that uh, fan vote. I think that was a big part of it. Um, but I don't know. I just you know it's about being a good person and trying to represent your school the right way. And um, the other guys that are in that list, I think Marcus Howard won it won the senior class award and I know he's done great things for his community as well. So um, to be in that conversation with those guys is definitely an honor. Hey, speaking of which, did you see that KSL Utah, what all time greatest bracket, whatever it is? Yeah. Those Utah fans are not happy about that. Oh my heck. Yeah. You beat Andre Miller just set like the world on fire. But when you look at the bracket, you probably ought to think, Holy cow, this is a heck of a list. I actually, I just skimmed through the bracket. I don't even know what seat I was, to be honest, but I just kept – the only reason I knew about it is because every time there was a change, KSL would tag me in it. <laughs> so when I – so I didn't even know I had made it that far. And then I saw that, that uh, according to the fans, which who cares, right? That's why it was funny that I thought people were getting mad, but that I had beaten Andre Miller and was going to go up against – against Danny in the final four and all these Utah fans are replying and, and I was tagged in and they're like, man, this is, this is a joke. What is this? And, uh, so I texted, I texted crew and said, Hey, are you going to, you, you telling Danny that, uh, I'm in the final four against him and I ended up losing cause BYU's got a lot of fans, but, uh, it was, it was funny to see some of the tweets. I think it's good because I mean, Wayne Estes got beat by like Damian Lillard. So I, I mean, it's all, all is fair in love and war here. <laughs> For sure. Well, well, Sam, uh, I, I know there's a lot of ambiguity right now with timelines and, and everything, but has there been any sense, have you been any, any kind of an idea of, hey, we, we're thinking we may be able to do some things starting at this time or starting at that date, or is it just, hey, take care of your body, we'll keep in contact, and as things change, we'll let you know? Yeah, I think we're all as much in the dark as everyone else. But I asked my agent earlier this week, like, have you guys received any updates from the NBA on, on when they're considering starting back up? And he just said, no, like Adam Silver's a great, great leader and he's not going to make any rash decisions. So they're just going to wait this thing out. And that's what I'm going to have to do as well. And at some point, at some point, hopefully this will cool down a little bit and I'll be able to go work out. But uh, as of right now, you just got to do your best to uh, stay in shape and get as much work in as you can. With the thousands of Aggie Nation ears listening to this interview right now, what's your message to them as you say goodbye? Well, like I like I posted on social media today, I'm just so thankful for uh, everyone that supported me and uh, cheered for us during the good and during the bad. And it's been such a fun experience, and I've loved every second of it. And it's obviously bittersweet knowing that it's over, but I'm excited for the future. The one thing I would say is keep going to games. Um, I think they're going to have a good team next year, and. Uh, I thought the attendance was was pretty good this year, but uh, I think I think Utah State can take it up another level. So um, keep going to games, keep supporting these these guys and, and this staff. And if you want this staff to stay for as long as 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 possible, then 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 support this team and this program, and, and go to games and donate and do whatever you can to to help this team out. In fact, you mentioning that did remind me. I did want to ask you what what does next year's team look like i mean there's some guys that were part of that uh roster that because of red shirt and sitting out issues and things like that that we weren't able to see on the court so what what's an, an early glimpse of what the 
2020-2021 USU men's basketball team might look like? Well, as long as Coach Smith um, at the top, there's it's going to be a competitive team. I think they're going to be good. I, I don't think it's going to be much of a drop-off. It's hard to... It's hard to replace three your three primary ball handlers for any team um, with me, Diogo, and Abel being gone. But uh, Marco, Marco's going to be great. He's he's he adds something that that we haven't had in the last few years. Um, I'm not sure what Nimi's status is, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he was back for another year either. So those two guys are going to be really good. And then you look at all the guys coming back. Obviously, Justin's very good. Sean, Sean's Sean Barrichello is going to be a really good player. Um, give him a summer of improvement. Um, Brock, Brock didn't shoot the ball very well this year, but we've seen Brock shoot the ball well. Like he shot it really well as a freshman, and he's a good shooter. So expect him to get back to the level that we know he can shoot it at. Um, and then you got the new guys coming in as well, who who are going to be good. So um, I expect them to be to be right there at the top again. Sam, you're not an emotional guy, are you? I mean, when you tweeted that out, you probably didn't shed one tear. I was going to post something earlier, and then I just forgot about it and my family's been bugging me for the last few days saying hey you got to put something out there like you got to put something out there for the fans so it's it was very emotional for me when 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 we found out that the tournament was being canceled that we weren't going to get that chance but uh, no i'm not the most emotional guy in the world <laughs> well sam you're one of the best to ever do it ever ever in aggie men's basketball history there's there's no doubt in my mind and from us here and on behalf of aggie nation Thank you for everything you have done for us and for bringing us to one of the most elite levels we've been to in quite some time. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. That was a lot of fun talking to Sam Merrill. Uh, really hope he gets his shot in the NBA. He's going to. He's going to get drafted. <laughs> He's going to get drafted. He's too good, Eric, not to get drafted. Well, the real question is, where does he sit among those yeah. who may get drafted? The Athletic, they put together their uh, top 100 potential players uh, for the NBA draft. And this is... Not just college players in the United States. They also consider international players. And that's always a big question mark because not everybody scouts them and understands what that might look like. But uh, Sam Merrill did make the, this top 100, but he wasn't the only uh, Utah State player or a Mountain West player. Uh, the, the highest ranked player, according to this list, is Malachi Flynn out of the Mountain West, the highest-ranked Mountain West player on this list, is Malachi Flynn at 48. Sam Merrill, well, excuse me, the next Mountain West player is Derek Alston at 62. And then Sam Merrill comes in at 77. Wait, okay, but here's the thing. Is, is Malachi not coming back? I don't know. I don't know if I've seen anything. He hasn't announced anything, though. Like, part of me thinks he's coming back. Right, so there's still some question here, because not every all, not every underclassman who may be jumping to the NBA has declared that yet, because there's a lot of uncertainty still about yeah. signing with an agent and working out with teams and then still being able to come back. Um, so this is very fluid still, but Sam Merrill listed as the 77th 
uh, ranked prospect, uh, Nimish Keta, at 87. Uh, so, Sam's comments <laughs> slightly suggest otherwise. What do you mean? Well, I mean, just the fact that, like, you know, when he, he talks about Namish Keta and he says, I don't know what Namish can, what Namish Keta's plans are, but if he does come back, look, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I'm just saying, I, I don't think we should be all set in stone that Namish is going to the NBA draft. I think that's right. I think, I, think we, this, I think we need to hold this tight. This kind of indicates that he's probably not yeah. a draftable Here's my question, right though. Why is Yoli Childs not on that list? Yeah, that's right. There is a, a serious, pretty significant omission there. He's a darn good big man. I don't understand what, like, what am I missing here. Maybe he's already met, met his cap and he doesn't have much upside. <laughs> but if this holds true... Granted, this is one person's opinion. Yeah, but Sam Merrill falls outside of that top sixty. But yeah, it's true. But, but and, and I'm not discrediting Sam Vestini, who, by the way, does great work. I love Sam. Um, follow him. You know, we we we've had a little bit of discussion back and forth, very rarely, but you know, he he knows his stuff. He does. He knows his stuff. Um, but I'm not sure Sam falls that far, and I'm not sure Namish Ked is part of the plan. But I think Yuli Childs is. I would be surprised if Yoli Childs is not on an NBA roster. Oh, me too. I'm with you. I'd be surprised. Yep. Uh, I'd be surprised if Sam Merrill is not on an NBA roster next year. I'm not sure that he will be drafted, but I think he will be signed as an undrafted free agent, and I think he will make a roster. From what I've been told, there are teams that are excited about him. Yeah. Anyway, it was a great conversation with Sam. Go back and listen to it on the podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe.